0: Welcome to the Evolve Mindset. My name is Chelsea Browse, but most know me online as Chelsea I'm an awakening mentor and somatic sexologist who's passionate about the continuous evolution of consciousness. If you're looking to evolve your sex life, career, relationships, finances, or health, then it begins with your mindset and this podcast is for you. My goal is to use this container to provide the tools, knowledge, and insights to further your potential and evolution. I know we're going to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pressing play, and let's evolve. Hey Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today on the Evolve Mindset Podcast. Oh, hey, love. So happy to be here connect with you. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here because I have to say you are my mentor. So it's such a, a bit of an honor to have you on with me. And I feel like it's been a while for me wanting to get you on here, but I don't know why. I just haven't really asked. Maybe you're shy. I don't know. But here we are. So I'm very, very honored. Yeah, likewise.
1: I've really enjoyed watching you rising and bringing all these awesome pieces to
0: to socials and to media. It's really amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And now that I have you here, um, obviously I have been um, watching you on your social media, in your courses and in your in, in the Institute, but I would really love for you to share with the listeners um, what exactly your vision in, is in this world, the purpose of the Institute and where it's going. For sure. Um,
1: so I have a vision basically just to see Eros uh, integrated into society. And for me, eros is, um, you know, that spark of aliveness, that uh, moment of, like, having goosebumps or feeling that vulnerability of that opening into more life, basically. And I see that that, you know, that's largely linked to that experience of when, of, of how sexuality works. So for me, sexuality sort of is a byproduct of that experience of eros coming in, like, seeking more life. And when we feel those like magnetisms or polarities with other people, it's like this opening to be experiencing more of life. And when we are kind of hiding away, we kind of feel like we, you know, our natural, um, you know, when we close down from life, we kind of shut away from connection, basically. So it's kind of that opening point to, to more of that. And I believe that that runs like so deeply inside of our of our own bodies, with ourselves and our own relationship to life, and also just in the world. You know, we see that, um, you know, we see sex. Sex is quite oppressed and quite, um, um, you know, it's been made quite a taboo topic inside of our society. And my sense is that when we bring it back into this experience of eros and the purity of that energy of just like seeking more life and coming into life, there's a like an easeful place where like sexuality can can exist inside of our society in a healthy way, rather than in the shadows and push the sides or on the top shelf of magazines or, you know, unspoken about, which is actually creating a lot of um, dis-ease and corruption in our society at the moment.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's really beautiful. And I love that you mentioned Eros, because that is something obviously very new to myself and what I've learned specifically from you. And you shared a little bit about it, um, but I would love to share like towards the listeners. Can you also consider that sexual energy?
1: Um, so yeah, I, I guess my understanding is, is that there's a, there's Eros, which is kind of a very, um, like the qualities of Eros is not like um uh, masculine or feminine or more Yang or more Yin or, you know, more hot or more cold. It's not like any of those experiences. It's very, non dual in its in its frequency and its expression um and so for me the sexuality is the piece that comes after that so for, like from eros like this spark of creation this um this desire this sort of breath into life comes our sexuality comes our creativity comes like um you know our uh emotion like it's this kind of outward expression of of being human basically
0: mm, i love that so much thank you and i'd love to know because i feel like uh, a lot of this stuff can be considered even taboo because of a lot of, I guess, maybe the, when the media is per- 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 perpetuating it, the way people share or um, maybe shamed and not allowed to share it within like their family or their possibly their lovers, feeling uncomfortable with it. That being said, um, how do you feel it would be, how, how do you think it could be made a lot easier for people to be able to speak to subjects like this and actually be able to embody it a bit more?
2: Hmm. Um, well, I feel like it's the the knowing of these experiences inside of the body. Like I have a really um, clear
1: understanding and I believe you would too. I feel like everyone that studies at the Institute and studies with this modality that we've created around self-pleasure, there's um, there's a real like embodied experience inside of myself where I know that feeling of my eros and that feeling of my sexual energy. And I believe that we can move our sexual energy without it being connected to Eros. And that for me is like, when we're pushing our our sexuality from stress, or we're pushing it from like trying to be sexy or a certain way that um, we believe that we should be because of what we're reading in the media or how we are thought that, how it's like portrayed to us, how we should show up as a sexual being.
0: Mm.
1: Did that answer your question?
0: A little bit, yeah. I'm trying to find a good (laughs) way to word what I'm trying to ask. Maybe I'll just share what I'm, I'm trying to lead towards. So um, obviously with a lot of this stuff being taboo, it makes it really difficult for people to actually speak to it or um, show it in the media. Um, I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's just really tough and like, how do we go about it to make it a lot uh, more normal, I, I suppose, and less taboo? Yeah I think I've just given you like
1: step one which is like find the embodied experience inside of yourself and but I think what you're speaking to is more of the expression Mm. and the and you know how does it um, how do we have it land inside of another person's body from our experience and this is a big piece of what we work with at the Institute is like that part of the transmission right so when we are completely deeply embodied inside of ourselves inside of it, we're not in fear of like, how is this going to show up for somebody else? How's this going to um be portrayed? It actually sort of lands in a much deeper place inside of us where we're not um we're not charged with being misunderstood almost. You know, we're not feeling like, oh man, am I going to be misunderstood if I bring this piece? And when we bring it from that place, it creates um uh a clearer space and what i've noticed inside of these conversations and and you know we can talk about it in sexuality we can talk about it in any um difficult political discussion mm-hmm. um there's a sense of or even in a fight with a partner right it's like when we're having a fight with a partner if we're holding back any part of ourselves that's actually a bit annoyed at our partner when we're trying to be compassionate or something it's like that lands like it just comes out of our bodies you know it's just emerging from mm-hmm. us all the time Um, And so once we kind of like be with that part of ourselves that is frustrated or be with the part of ourselves that is feeling that we're going to be misunderstood, it creates a pathway to be, to come into deeper expression. So, I mean, again, I'm kind of giving you more of the inner landscape of it, but if I was to say like, how do you bring uh, the conversation into the bigger sphere, my sense would be that you really need to frame exactly what you're doing. So it's almost like when I create a safety in people's minds of this is what this is, this is what it isn't. It creates a spaciousness for um, for people to go, okay, they've just told me it isn't that. So what is it? And it's like, you're basically asking them to come into a, a deeper listening to what it is that you're actually showing up and sharing. Mm. And, it, and it, it's almost interesting as well, because it's part of the power of the self-pleasure modality. Mm. Because obviously, you know, the self-pleasure modality is not, um, you know, it's not masturbation. Like masturbation is when we, you know, have the, we come to the body and we create um, friction when the body with to create like pleasure, arousal, orgasm. And like masturbation's over when we've achieved one of those things. And then when we work with um, self-pleasure, what we're looking at is the, uh, the ability to come into the body and allow it just to speak to us. And sometimes that can look like touching the genitals and being naked. And sometimes it looks like there's not very little sexuality experience at all. And yeah, but when you say to someone, okay, I'm gonna offer you the space to be in your self-pleasure, instantly all the pieces come up of, you know, this is what this is. regardless of how much you tell them, this isn't masturbation and that they don't need to be naked and that they don't need to touch their their genitals. Mm -hmm. And what it creates is it's just like that, the mind not being able to land that piece and then also coming into an embodied experience of like, okay, if I don't have to do that, what is this? recognizing the parts of themselves that are in contraction, it creates this understanding of of where we're feeling the contractions around sexuality in our body. So it's like it's it's interesting kind of um journey, I think, to to having people recognize that the 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 sensations in their body can be louder than the thoughts in their head. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens when we start to communicate this piece of eros versus sexuality
0: Mm, yeah no that's huge and yeah i i do really love the piece um where you touch on just really noticing what's going on in your body first because it it really brings us back to like the principle of kind of like bringing it back to yourself you know like like you embody and you want to be the change you want to see in this world that's just what it really reminds me of and it makes a lot of sense you know if you come back to yourself and you're really just feeling into um, the discomfort, or you're feeling into the joy, or whatever it is going on in your body, and then you communicate with your partner, or then you communicate with um, your social media platform, or whoever it is that you're communicating your sexual experience with, or whatever it is. Like you mentioned, it could be with anything. You um, come such a like a much more grounded perspective, and like you mentioned, there's a bit of a transmission piece, which. Um, from my own experience, I've noticed where I jump into something before I actually experience it in my body, before I'm actually feeling it. I'm all over the place. My whole body is like vibrating and like I'm probably going to cry or something because I'm just so overwhelmed emotionally. I just love that you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's been
1: something that I really um noticed around... um how we kind of show up in relationships as well. When we kind of get past this idea that, um, you know, how we show up in our expression needs to look either this way or this way. You know, it's like, this is the conscious way of doing relationships. This is the conscious way of being in our sexuality. And we move from this place of like, um, what if every part of me and my human experience is okay?
2: Mm.
1: And we kind of open from that place. It kind of changes the game because we're no longer looking for a set of rules or behaviors in how we need to show up, and we're actually being with the experience of our body, and and something that I now experience after doing so much with this journey, with this piece, is, um. You know, if somebody says something to me, like if you ask me a question, or if you, you know, if I was with my partner, we're having a fight, or, you know, if I'm being interviewed, whatever the piece is, and someone asks me something in the past, what used to happen was that my brain would kick Mm. in and go, okay, you need to say something. This is your cue. Now you need to say something, or you need to, you know, you need to be right to some degree. Like if I'm having a fight with my partner, it's this experience of, um, okay, I need to make sure that I can prove that I'm a good person. I'm the right person in this conversation. And now what happens is I have the experience of just like, my body is the first thing that comes up. So the sensations, whatever you're sharing, the sensations start to be the first point of awareness inside of a, an argument with my partner or even a conversation with you or you know, sharing anything. It's like what is going on inside of me becomes the the, the leading compass. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'm able to share whatever's true for me from that place. And that that for me is when you kind of mm-hmm. are working in that transmission space. You're in that embodied experience of sharing your truth because you're not focused on showing up or being a certain way for somebody else you're actually just being in the most authentic expression of your humanity in that moment
0: Mm, yeah that's super beautiful and i love that you touched on that too because i was actually going to ask you that because it came into my mind um the the body versus the mind piece so you're mentioning that it's it's something that you're feeling in your body first as opposed to discovering it through the mind first so i'd love for you to um if you can explain even how that like comes up for you in a conversation or in a difficult, um, con- difficult conversation or even possibly in an arousing situation.
1: I, I like that you brought the arousing piece into it because I think that that's really important. Um, I have noticed that in society, we um, have these concepts that are of structures of relationships that need to show up in a certain way. I like, um, you know, this is what monogamy is. And the the, the journey of monogamy I've actually realized is monogamy looks very different and has many different sets of rules for different people. Mm -hmm. So by saying this is what monogamy is and this is what non-monogamy is, is like a little bit hilarious that we make it that black and white because, you know, some people are like, if you flirt with somebody else, then you're breaking your monogamy, monogamous container. Or, you know, if you, um, you know, if you look at someone else or if you have desire towards someone else, and I feel like what I have come to realize is that like um, what we experience inside and what we're feeling inside cannot be controlled. And if we try to repress it or shut it down, we're actually hurting ourselves. And
2: in that same breath, you can still have agreements and you can still have um You can bring yourself to the conversation of opening and and exploring what that looks like.
1: So um, we know, as an example, it's just like if you're feeling your desire towards somebody else and you're in a monogamous relationship, like can you be okay that you're feeling that? That's like the first step. Mm It's like I am not a bad person because I'm in a monogamous relationship and I'm feeling this desire. Like that's sort of the first layer. And I'm using this as an example, but this comes up in if you're having a fight with your partner, you know, is it okay that I'm actually Hurting or I'm angry with my partner for sharing that. Can you be okay that you're angry and or upset? You know, that's kind of the first layer. Can you be okay with what's happening inside of your body? And then the second layer is like, can I communicate this to my partner that I'm feeling this desire towards somebody else or this anger and irritation towards them in this argument? Can I share these pieces and be in the fullness of my expression, and um, and be okay that I'm not
2: a bad person for doing that? Mm. You know. It's, And then this sort of leads into the next layer, which is, um, you know, obviously we want to avoid
1: projecting our emotions or trying to make somebody else feel what we're feeling. So how this shows up, I feel, is like when I'm, if I'm feeling really sad or upset, it actually can be very difficult for me to be with those emotions in my body. It's challenging, Mm -hmm. you know. It's uh, difficult because it's uncomfortable. The sensations don't feel nice. And when we're feeling that way, our natural impulse, our conditioning has us believe that if we, um, you know, project it or express it out to someone, like make them feel some of what
2: we're feeling in here, then it's going to get easier. And we often do that by going into this experience of like, um, you know, like you're an arsehole because I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that's kind of how it
1: sort of starts to, to move. But there's a, there's a deeper place when we can start being with our body where we um are actually, we can just get deeply. Okay. With being in that anger. And we can actually say, Hey, I'm feeling really angry and I'm feeling like this, this heat is just burning up inside of me and I'm, and I want to express it now. And like, can you actually come in and feel this with me? You know? And there's this journey. I feel that, um, I'm, I see humans go on when they start to get okay with the fact that they're actually experiencing uncomfortable emotions where they are challenged to actually um, really vibrate in all of the emotion that they're feeling. And I feel like that's the major key to um, accessing that point of being able to communicate what you need to communicate to your partner, to being okay with your, the human experience as 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 it is, you know, it's like, it, and, it, and without having to, break relationships and communicate mm. badly, which like hurt people, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a there's a layer of like awareness when you actually can start to feel what's going on in your body where you're able to communicate this. Just drive me back to your question to make sure I've answered it. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: no, that's awesome. That that actually made me just kind of go through my own relationships because this is something I've been journeying um ever since I've gone into my own sexual journey. Uh, specifically with monogamous relationships and I am currently still in one but my understanding on how it lands in my body when I'm going about my day and even when my partner is going about his day um, I used to be an incredibly jealous individual I used to like just get angry when I hear my partner speaking to another woman and just like little situations like that and now i'm able to like just really like be in my body and like acknowledge like okay oh okay you know there's a little bit of jealousy there why do i why am i feeling that he's coming home to me later like does that really matter like and really just like picking that apart and being with those feelings inside myself and just realizing it had nothing to do with him and it had everything to do with me was huge for me and even being okay with now like understanding my partner is going to go out and probably talk to very attractive women and Mm -hmm. probably really have like arousal towards them or some some kind of inkling of desire towards them and now it just like yeah just my whole understanding towards that and being able to be with it in my body and like you said the projection piece um being fully fully understanding that is very much how i was in the past and now just my Perception on how I am acting towards my partner has just completely changed. So I love that you brought that up because I feel that that is really a big piece to a lot of um arguments and a lot of hurt that happens in a lot of monogamous relationships.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I, I feel that the, what well, we're just leading back to that piece is like the key is, is being, how are you okay with feeling your arousal mm-hmm. outside of your relationship, you know? And also working with that integrity of like, okay, I can feel this, that is there. It's okay that that's there. And what is what is it that I choose to do with my actions? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a massive piece in our journey of integrating Eros into society is like the suppression and the repression of these energies is what is creating corruption in our society. When we feel something inside of our body that we don't know what to do with, and if we speak it out loud, we're going to be made to be the bad person or... Who um, you know be considered, you know, like hurtful. Then we're not actually, and we're not met, if we're not met without the shame and the guilt that was put onto us. Then we're not able to really um, embody the fullness of what it means to be in the human experience right now. Mm. And I, my my sense is, the deeper we can go with being okay with what's happening in our body and creating safe spaces for people to be okay with what's happening in their body, without shame, without guilt, the closer we're going to become to seeing you know, sexuality restored to its purity and to its like rightful, innocent expression, you know, Um, and Eros being able to be explored inside of our society because when we're okay with getting it wrong, when we're okay with just being human and not saying the right thing, that's when we start to see change and we start to see you know, powerful leadership. It's the pressure that we put on people to show up consistently as the same person day in, day out mm. that crushes um, the human soul and stops us from feeling the aliveness of actually the the shifts and changes and the seasons of of what it means to be human.
0: Mm. I love that you said that the pressures that we place on ourselves, um, or society, or wherever it's coming from, the the identity of having to be right or wrong. Um, I love that you brought that up because like um, obviously when we're having those pressures and we're having that shame when we do show up in a different way um, Mm -hmm. you're you're basically suggesting that people are validating that piece in themselves I would I would think
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and
2: it's like for me it's like and when we it's interesting we use the word validate Mm -hmm. because
1: almost this word of validation comes from this idea that we like our brain wants to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a layer of it, but I mean, sometimes it's like, I'm not okay that I'm feeling this, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, there's still like parts of my life. I'm like, you know, I'm angry at things in the world that are happening. And I'm, I'm uncomfortable when, you know,
2: shut down from it, not go, Oh, okay. That's just anger because this is happening. It's like, mm. <sighs> how much can I let that ripple through every cell inside of my body to allow me to, to speak the pieces that need to be spoken and to share the things that need to be shared in the world to create the change that I want to see in the world. I think when we make things okay in our minds, we're shutting down parts of our humanity. And we're actually,
1: you know, making it okay for every, every other person to shut down parts of their humanity.
2: And there's a vulnerability of actually staying open to the, the frustration and the, the pieces that are alive inside of us that actually make us alive and make us vibrate to, to change and to continually showing up and not from this place of like, oh, I'm going to be a good person to
1: really like when you like let go of the idea that you need to like understand or have a story or a reason of why you're feeling what you're feeling and actually just deeply feel it inside of the body and sort of like allow it to consume the body in the ways that it does instead of like trying to shut it down or oppress it or make it better or make it sound a certain way you kind of come into a
2: deeper relationship with um Like what's possible? It's like you're then you're not driving your your reality from this place
1: of okay, I need to show up in this way to be a good person because this is what's this is the right thing to do, which is obviously just more of our mind stuff. And then it's almost like your whatever you decide to do with your life is driven from this place of like this is what's true in my body right now. This is what needs to happen.
0: Mm, Right. The the right or the wrong piece is huge, and I do remember you you mentioning. Um, this piece around sexual energy's rightful innocence Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the first time I ever heard and actually heard you mention that the erotic innocence like there's this innocence piece to sexual energy that triggered the fuck out of me Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm just curious um, how could you expand to people that have possibly hearing those two words together for the very first time I'm curious what triggers you about it and then I'll maybe answer from that point (laughs) Okay, sure. So it doesn't trigger me anymore. But when it initially triggered me, um, having this piece of sexual energy and innocence. So literally just the words. So when I think of the word innocence, I'm remembering like my own childhood, I'm feeling into the space where I was told sexual like sexual activities and sex and like genitals and like all those pieces just... had like it it didn't go with me as a child like there was like this piece of conditioning and these beliefs where they needed to be separate where where um, me as a child like it just it wasn't for me so I like I'm when I first heard those two words like it, it collided right away and I suppose I was just remembering all these like childhood memories where I told that that wasn't okay and and this doesn't belong with um a kid so it's probably more of like an in a word thing for me when it first triggered so I'm just bringing it back to my own experience and then I'd just love for you to expand on it I love that
1: um well first of all I would say that like both of those are right in a way do you know what I mean like there's an experience of like um you know childlike innocence and remaining in uh, as it's like introducing um
2: sexual activity to a young person, too young, can be damaging Mm -hmm. as it is, you know, can be confronting and can be confusing. And I feel that we need to have a certain amount of
1: um, cognitive understanding of what we are choosing to create with our lives. And I feel that, and in the same breath, every child is a sexual being and every child is um, an erotic being. All of us as humans, that's the nature of who we are. And I feel that there's um, yeah, there's a space for the for a child to come into relationship to their own um, experience of their own pleasure and their own body before they come into a relationship with another human being with with pleasure. And because of the nature of my childhood, likewise, you know very similar storylines in my childhood are like, you know it's not okay for. Um, children to be sexual it's not okay for this you know the first time I ever experienced pleasure or I ever experienced um arousal in my body um came from being with um being with a partner at the time you know I was like Mm -hmm. 16 years old or 15 years old I can't remember and um and that was the first time you know that I'd ever really um been okay with being with that part of myself and the what that led what that led to is just like a level of codependence and a level of um, you know, feeling like it was only okay to be with my body and for my body to be in pleasure when I'm with somebody else. And mm. what I am starting to see is like what would the power of, you know if young kids were like young kids discover this stuff on their own. we don't have to show them. We don't have mm-hmm. to do anything. It's like they find yeah. their bodies, they find what brings pleasure. And they have all sorts of interesting ways of creating that inside of their body. And we don't have to be a part of that. We don't have to manage that. We don't have to do anything with that. It's like they create their own Mm -hmm. relationship with it. And I feel that if we alchemize the shame and the guilt that we experience in our own body, then we can create a conversation with them that comes from that place of like, Hey, I'm just wanting to share with you, you know, this is something that, um, Adults do in private, you know, some of the humans do in private, um, and if this piece is brought into the sphere, then it creates a, a level of friction in our society. and This is for you and for your privacy and for you to experience in this way. There's a level of um, understanding that the child gets that doesn't land as guilt and shame, and I'm doing something wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have to be very deeply comfortable with our own relationship with sexuality and our own relationship to our body to be in that to be able to have that conversation. And the truth is, is that most of us as adults, um, because we've experienced so much of our own shame, so much of our own, um, you know, guilt with being with our bodies or being um, in the experience of pleasure and feeling disconnected from it, from stress or from, you know, um, shame and all the other things um, or trauma, we're actually struggling to be okay with that part of ourselves. So, you know, the sense that I feel is like with erotic innocence is, you know, ultimately human beings are, erotically innocent from the day they're born to the day they die. And Mm. what we choose to do with our um, eroticism and our sexuality during that time in our life can change with the level of maturity. But my sense is that if we allowed um, erotic innocence to exist inside of of people from the day they're born to the day that they die without shaming it, without guilting it, um, with bringing love to it and compassion and understanding then there wouldn't be all these kind of corrupt ways that you know um you know we wouldn't be so concerned that we're going to corrupt our children basically by allowing them to be erotic beings Mm.
0: that's beautiful and being a mom like that that just lights me up because my son is now 12 and we're obviously journeying a lot of these pieces And it just, it obviously brings me back to my own childhood where I was shamed, where where my own, obviously my own family, um, their own projections were placed onto me. And it made me feel not okay. It made me feel afraid. It made me feel so many different things. And the way that you describe it, like I'm just hearing like the word sovereign just keeps came, keeps coming up to me. And if we can obviously raise our children in a way that they they are feeling sovereign in their own body being okay to to touch themselves if they want to touch themselves and we're not having any part in this like I just yeah the word sovereign just keeps coming up for me that these are the how we're going to raise our own children to be sovereign beings and from there like it just it cultivates a a power within our own society totally
1: yeah and I think it's okay for us to um um you like have the conversations of you know, how this is understood in many different ways, you know, like we're never going to be able to not put our values onto our children. Like that's part of what it is to mm-hmm. be a parent. And, mm-hmm. you know, what my desire is, is how can I broaden the perspectives? It's like, can I share my perspective and share all the other many perspectives to give my um, children a chance to uh, be with, make their own decision from their own understanding of the world versus thinking there's mm-hmm. one understanding of the world and this is the way
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's that's oh my gosh that's so beautiful that's something I've been journeying the last couple of years um in the beginning of my own parenting again like 12 years ago and from then to about you know, my son being about eight oh my goodness there was so much of my own beliefs that I was placing on my son and when I look back in it I'm like wow okay I really screwed him up <laughs> but at the same time you know there's like this unlearning piece and for myself too and like this this new parenting that I'm wanting to actually uphold and and yeah like, like you just said like having different perspectives not just your own maybe other people from other families and then just really explaining them to my child in in, in, in a loving way and I'm having a lot of faith um in my son and actually in a lot of children because I find that at our root they are just. Oh my goodness. They're just, just full of love and compassion. When you give them all these pieces, um, you know, if this, if you do this to someone, this really hurts them. And this is why they feel this way and just give them the, the full spectrum of information. I just find a lot of the time, um, they will make the right, um, the right choice for themselves and in, in just the most loving, loving way. Yeah, I agree.
1: I think that's kind of part of what this whole that. vision is about. You know, it's like on a, on every level and every layer, can Eros and this truth and this understanding of vulnerability and jumping into the, what's happening in the body. Can that be, can that be felt and understood? That's, that would be my vision. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. what I'm oh, doing is not saying like everybody needs to live their life like this. I'm just saying here is another option because I don't think people know mm-hmm. that there's another option, you know, and that's kind of yeah. like, that's really part of the the piece for me.
0: Mm. Yeah. I can see that being huge. I feel like there's this bit of a narrative where um people are saying that um the power of sexual energy was was almost like taken from us over the the centuries even. Um I'd love to hear what your viewpoint on that is. Oh yeah. Um well, you know, <laughs> sexual, sexuality has been used for um
1: you know, political agenda for a very 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 long time. It's also the oldest, you know, um what would I want to say, career path? It's like it's the oldest um, way that humans have been paid and received money for, um, you know, in the whole of history, this is the oldest, um, I don't want to say career choice, it's the oldest job in the world basically is to like sell yeah. our bodies for, in, and sell our sexuality. Um, so, you know, sex has been used as currency for a very long time. It's been used as, um, to leverage um, power and political
2: agendas in all these different ways. And um, you know, there was ways that that was done, and it was very um, It was very private, and it was very quiet.
1: And it was like there was ways that the you know there, there were temples that were held in ancient Egypt, in Greece and Rome, and all these different places where we saw these big empires, and no doubt across many other places, but these are the most documented. Um history that we can find is you know these temples were held to alchemize um you know the deeper issues in the world, basically, you know, and how we alchemize uh, challenging times and like problems and pain in the nervous system is to come into connection with the other and to come into this and in, back into this, you know the place that we almost were created from. So we're coming back into that into that point of creation to um, to realign with what is actually truth. And that alchemizing of um, sexual energy um, is what really kept like whole societies moving with um, forward motion and like a lot of creativity and a lot of um, new technology and openings coming in through that way. Because this was used as almost like, I mean, if it, was, if it was in 2021, we'd call it high performance, you know, in, back in the day, this was called <laughs> innovation, you know, like it's been used for those pieces. and. You know, then we saw sort of like um, how these energies would start to be used as a, as we started to grow our societies, and you know, men were in a lot of power. We started to see very educated geishas, courtesans, um, you know, women that were working with their sexuality and working with eros in this way, and this art, um, this like artistry of and mastery of sexual energy was used to. Um, to open these men to deeper understanding and they were educating and like whispering in the ears of these politicians and these men in power to see this stuff that was back that they were actually sharing on on stages and and moving this sort of stuff so you know sex has been used in the background and kind of um, connected to from a very pure place and what we started to see from that those very um those alchemizing temples was this kind of rollout effect you know like this you know this stuff got whispered in the ears and that's when we started to see brothels and we started to see sex work and we started to see prostitution like coming into um, into our societies in kind of this like secretive way and it was it was deemed as um you know unfavorable because it was creating it was almost allowing this wild expression um to have a space basically and I mean, it's been used, even if you think back to like the times of when we saw like a lot of wars, like men would go from war back into, um, they would go and visit these, um, you know, whorehouses and like um, temples and places where these priestesses would work to resolve themselves of the traumas and the pain that they'd experienced in war. So it was like the pleasure that they would receive and the the love and the compassion they would receive from these, these priestesses and these sex workers. Um, would like like relieve a lot of the pain and the anguish and the and the traumas that would come up and it was almost like when someone has a trauma that's happening in the body from all the pain that they've seen and it has a space to kind of like calibrate back through the body in that way it um it creates a like it brings them back into a state of wholeness you know, and they, if you mm. read back any of old old texts, you will see how pleasure has been used for many years to recalibrate trauma and recalibrate the nervous system back into a space of wholeness. Mm. And so once they visited mm. these priestesses, they would go back into their family lives, into their um into their towns, and they weren't taking all of that violence that they had from war into their ha- households. So we were seeing a lot less domestic violence and things like that because it was already it was being resolved in a way that was understood. We weren't making sex a big thing that, you know, we weren't collapsing these ideas of what sex is and what love is or what, what needs to happen in a relationship, what needs to happen over there because we were in trust of these more wild, ferocious energies that move through ourselves. And so my understanding is over time, we've started to like see, you know, it's almost like the power is with the people when we actually know how to work with that Kundalini energy, with that wild, ferocious animal, primal parts of ourselves. And when we... um when we're not in trust of that and and we have, and when, you know, when the government started to recognize that this piece is where, um, you know, giving power to the people and having them actually be mm-hmm. able to self-source and to move through whatever they needed to move through, they weren't a, a, as easy to control. Um, And, you know, uprises and things like that could happen so much easily because people were moving from that embodied experience inside of themselves. So as time's gone on, you know, we've, you know, the Christianity came in a lot of different religions came in that actually placed a lot of, um, dogma and ideas um to control society and have them show up in a certain way when we place fear on the source of our inherent um ability to alchemize our own emotions and to be with ourselves as a, in the fullness of our humanity then we start to hand our power over to greater sources like the church or mm-hmm. government or these different places so yeah, as that as that has been colonized through different fear sources, um, we have now shut those parts down, and now we're handing our power over to to bigger institutions like religion and like the government. And when our power is with these places, then we're very easy to control as a mass society. So you know, there's there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different history, but you know that is what I how I would describe how you know our sexual liberation hat, you know has been colonized and now I guess we're in the process of coming back into this kind of decolonization of our own humanity and our own um trust of our of our kundalini energy of our of our ferocious primal
0: way Mm. oh my goodness I love that so much um I've been trying for I don't know how long now to find the words on how to explain that. So <laughs> thank you so much for putting it all together. Because it just it makes so much sense. Like you see sex like everywhere. You see it in commercials, you see it in our media, social social media, you see it literally everywhere. And yet we can't talk about it without being called slut or a hoe or shamed in some form or way. So it it just yeah, it just literally just makes so much sense, and yeah, no, I just I just love how you put that together because again, I've been trying to find the words, and I just appreciate that so much. Yeah. So I do want to give you the the spotlight again and be able to share how people can get in contact with you fall, and follow along with your journey. For sure, yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to share more on this topic and um, yeah, bring more
1: more pieces and um, yeah, hear from anyone who's been touched or. Or felt anything as they've been listening to this. Um, and you can find me at victoriaredbard.com or victoriaredbard on Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah, and there's like, you know, there's many different ways that you can start to, to journey this and open this public for yourself and, and start to learn how to feel that embodied expression. So yeah, if you have an interest in, you know, understanding this or being an, an ally, I guess, for this work and for um, how it comes to our planet to see eros integrating into the society i would love to hear from you because i have many different ways that you can be involved in um, this huge project that we're all working on right now
0: mm, beautiful again thank you so much victoria for your time really appreciate it no worries. thank you so much see you
2: soon bye by hurt.
0: thank you so much for joining me with today's episode If you love what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on your listening platform so I can keep the goodness coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, you can interact with me and enjoy daily inspiration on Instagram at Chelspra or visiting my website for one-to-one mentoring at chelspra.com. I love you and appreciate you so much and can't wait to connect again in the next episode. Until then... Turn your magic on loves and keep evolving.